And we're going to read from the little letter of Peter, the second letter of Peter, and from the very end of that letter. And uh, all I'll say this morning is that uh, you know how sometimes when you're watching a programme on the TV and it comes to the end of the programme and between programmes or it comes to the adverts, the, the BBC or the ITV or whoever you're watching just gives a, a little running advert for what's coming ahead. Maybe a programme that's starting, you know, in a few weeks' time. Well, this morning, you're in the privileged position that uh, I'm just going to give you a little insight as to where I'm going over the next few weeks on a Sunday morning and what we will be looking at. Those in the second service won't get it. So, um, you know, because we're focusing on baptism. But this is something under the title of looking forward. Looking forward. And I'm reading from the end of 2 Peter for a particular reason. Because there is within that passage a phrase that has really struck me over the last few weeks. And I should be drawing on it in a moment or two. 2 Peter. Peter is writing this little letter to combat false teaching. Those within the church who have perhaps risen up and are teaching things that are not true, things that are not right. But he's also writing to the church and encouraging them to be watchful. Watchful in their view of Christ's return, of Christ coming again. So let's read in chapter 3 of 2 Peter and from verse 8. Excuse me. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard 
so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your eternal word. Thank you for your eternal word that challenges, that encourage, encourages, that confronts. Thank you for your eternal word that can be comforting, but also at the same point, challenging. And Father, as we come to this passage, I just pray that you will use it to encourage us and to build us up. And that you would speak to us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now as I've already said, I'm using this morning as a gentle introduction to what I'm going to be sharing over the next couple of months. Through to my final weekend with you in a number of weeks' time. And it all begins with a question. A question that I'm frequently asked. Are you looking forward to retirement? I wish I'd had five pounds for every time I've been asked that. Are you looking forward to retirement? And the answer to that question is yes or no. Yes and no. There's the no because I've still got responsibilities now. There's the yes because I can't begin to sort of anticipate or comprehend what retirement will actually be like. There's so many questions within it. I'm looking forward, yes, to a different season of life. Hopefully with less responsibility and less stress. But no, because of those uncertainties. Those questions. And we all like certainties, don't we? We all like to know the answers. But that question has got me thinking how throughout life we're always looking forward, aren't we? No, no sooner is a child born than we're looking forward to when they can toddle. And once they're starting to toddle, we're looking forward to the fact that, oh, now she'll be going to school. And it might be in the case of of Becca last night, that, oh, I just wish they would sleep through the night. We're always looking forward. And once they're at school, then there's always that anticipation. Well, what are they going to do when they, they leave school? And as people, we're always looking forward. It's always as, as if we're not satisfied with the here and now. There's always got to be something that they're in the future that we're looking forward to. And it's those same children that we're longing, perhaps, to have into our family that we can't wait to get out and on their own <laughs> and off our hands. And so we look forward to university. But then we look forward to getting married and to having children. We look forward to having our own at home. And you know what it is, isn't it? You get that new home. And then it's not long before, oh, it's too small. 
don't like those. And so we want a better home or a bigger home. And life seems to be that endless looking forward. The perfect job quickly loses its shine. So we start to scan the situation vacant or trawl the internet, looking for that next job, that next perfect job. There seems to be a desire somewhere deep within us that is constantly looking forward to or anticipating an elusive something. As if we're trying to constantly fill an empty void. In our reading into Peter, Peter is drawing our eyes, our attention and our looking to one great event. The day of God in verse 12. Or the day of the Lord, as he puts it in verse 10. This phrase is used both in the Old and the New Testament to describe a time when God intervenes decisively in the affairs of the world and ultimately references the end of thing, all things with the final coming of Jesus. Peter writes that this is a day that we should look forward to. Verse 12, verse 13, verse 14. It's almost as if he's wanting to re-emphasise it, so he has to tell us three times. You're looking forward. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7, also writes with the same kind of expectancy. As you eagerly await, he says, for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. I love that. As you eagerly await. the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. And the Gospels record Jesus telling us to keep watch, that is, look, 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 looking, keep looking, because you do not know the day or the hour. Matthew 25, Mark 13, Luke 12. This day, Peter states, will be like no other day. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. It sounds something pretty horrendous, doesn't it? Something out of a science fiction movie, verse 10. But the next verse, Peter asks a very pertinent question. And immediately answers it. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, he says, what kind of people ought you to be? Just let that hang for a moment. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Then he answers it. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Peter seems to be saying that there is a direct correlation between the way we live and the way we watch that will hasten the arrival of that day. In Luke's Gospel we have two examples of a kind of watching that Peter is talking about here. 
Firstly, we have the story of Simeon in Luke chapter 2. Let me read it to you from verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. You could put into that that he was holy and godly. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the Lord required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Within the Greek language, there's a rich store of words for our one word, looking. You can look up, you can look in, you can look out, you can look around and you can go on with that. And they're all different words. The one used here for Simeon is very clear in that phrase, waiting for the consolation of Israel. It's best translated, waiting forwardly. Now, I'm no grammar student, but I sense that that's not particularly good grammar. But it gives the sense of it. They're waiting forwardly. Or looking forwardly. Simon was patiently, vigilantly, and calmly, expectant, searching for the signs and hoping. I don't know about you, but airports sometimes sort of fascinate me, and just a little bit of travelling that I've done. I just remember the few occasions when I've gone to the airport, and you're, you're waiting to collect someone. You're looking for someone. And there's that sense that you're in the, the, the arrivals hall, and there's loads of people around you. And people keep coming through those doors. And you're searching the crowds, you're searching, you're looking for that one person. You're looking for that one face. And you're, 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 you're excluding others, but you're looking for that one. There's that sense of anticipation. Luke uses this very same word later in his Gospel to describe the posture of waiting of the waiting servants in chapter 12. Let me read it to you. Verse 35. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting, there's the word, for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will make them recline at table, and will come and wait on them. Note the posture of the servants, ready and waiting. Ready and looking forward in anticipation. But also note the action of the master. He is thrilled to find his servants are watching for him. And he takes the form of a servant and serves them. The master rewards those who are waiting forwardly. 
The master rewards those who are anticipating his arrival. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 25, we hope for what we do not have. Sorry, we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently. That looking forward, that <coughs> looking forward patiently. These two examples should be our model for waiting forward in. Neither Simeon nor the servants were so consumed with the not yet that they ignored the right now. Luke says Simeon was a righteous man, or a good man and godly. The servants were dressed and ready for service. They were ready to greet their master whenever he should return. Peter urges us to follow their example in that we should live holy and godly lives. Verse 11. Hope of the future is not a license for irresponsibility in the present. And he makes that clear in verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward, there you are again, there's that word again. Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. What are we to do? We're to make every effort. We're not to become slack. We're not to be the servant that says, oh, the master won't be here yet. The master won't come yet. We can undo the tie. We can lounge around in the best chairs. We can drink the master's whiskey. We can relax. We can chill out. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace. At peace with who? With him. With him. Do we make every effort? Do we make every effort? Over the next few weeks, under the working title, Living Life with the End in Sight, we're going to explore what it means to live looking forwardly. To live, as Peter puts it in verse 13, looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Now I guess, if I were to ask you today the question, are you looking forward to the day of the Lord? Some of you would give me a very puzzled look. Others would quickly look down at the floor and need to examine their shoes. A few would enthusiastically be nodding their heads. There. Because there is to that question this yes-no dilemma. Just as there is for me in retirement. We want the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness dwells. But we have too many questions and uncertainties about the process that comes with it. But what can we learn from this passage in 2 Peter? And just very briefly and just very quickly, I just want to point out a number of things. 
First of all, God is not working to our timetable. He's working to his timetable. But do not forget that this one, dear friend, this one thing, dear friends, that the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Picking up the psalmist in Psalm 90, where he says, a thousand years in your sight are like but a day just gone by, or like the watch of the night. We need to remind ourselves that God doesn't work to our timetable. God doesn't work within the constrictions of our time and our space. Our time and our space is found within God himself. The second thing we learn from this is that God is holding back. God is holding back. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's interesting that Peter, in this third chapter, begins the chapter and uh, he's just simply saying, Look, some, of, some among you are just simply saying, where is it? Where is this coming that is promised? In verse 4. And he's saying, well, look, God is patient. God is patient. Verse 15 tells us, bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. He's holding back. Why? Because he wants you to come to repentance. He wants you to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants the people who came into our community fair last week to come to repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in him. He wants to be able to share eternity with them. And so he holds back. He holds back on bringing his judgments. He holds back on bringing the curtain down on human history. Because his desire is that no one should perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Do I have that desire? Do you have that desire, do we? Is that the passion of our hearts? That we would do anything and everything that our neighbours would know Jesus? That those around us would hear the gospel? God does not work to our timetable. He's holding, God is holding back. But God will not be delayed indefinitely. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. It's a shocking picture, isn't it? It's a shocking picture. But it's a picture of judgment. It's a picture of judgment. And that day will not be delayed indefinitely. Jesus tells us that nobody knows the time. Not even the sun. But Jesus also tells us that you too must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter reminds us, like a thief in the night, 
If we knew we were going to be burgled, we'd be there with the club, wouldn't we? We'd be there. But like a thief in the night, God will not be delayed indefinitely. Fourthly, God can be trusted. But in keeping with his promise, we who are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Yes, we know the hope. The hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The hope that we declare through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that we too will rise with him in newness of life. We know that new hope that we have. Peter reminds us that God could be trusted. His promises are faithful. He's a God who keeps his promises. This passage begins to open our eyes to the fact of what it is to look forwardly. And yeah, that's where we're heading. That's where we will go over the next few weeks. Living life, living life with the end in sight. And I pray that it will be an encouragement and I pray that it will be a stimulus but it will also be a challenge because what Peter says to us here is that we're not only to look forward to that but we ought to live holy and godly lives. Let us pray.